Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to True Health Live, episode 21. We have been moving strong all year. Today, it is just the two of us, uh, Deidre Sully, my co-host. Precious Stepney, greetings. Uh, Greetings. Um, Our other two co-hosts could not join us today. Um, It's just that time of year, you know, it is what it is. But they will be back um, when we come back in two weeks. Um, But today, Precious and I are going to be talking to you about preventive medicine, um, specifically screenings. So... um, we're going to actually introduce um, a new series. So we just kind of are coming off of our series of um, maternal health and reproductive health. And we had um, several really good and like fascinating episodes talking about all the things under that. So if you didn't catch it, make sure you visit True Health Live on YouTube. We have an episode with a fabulous doula, with a, a um, director from a hospital, talking about, you know, what's needed with regards to advocacy. So there's so much. And it doesn't mean that we're finished. Um, There's so much to cover on that topic, but that series is done for now. And we'll revisit that, you know, at a later date. So now I want to talk about something that's really, really important, especially now that we're in like flu season and, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. We are still kind of like in the midst of a pandemic. But I want to make sure that we're not forgetting about the things that are a little more um, common, you know, because we're always, we're talking about what's what's trending and what's you know people are really scared about right now, which is the outbreak. Um, but let's not forget about some of the other things that we have to you know be mindful of, um, and that's other diseases like cancer um, um, and all the different types of cancers, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all those things. And so with that, we, I want to talk about, or we are going to talk about the different kinds of preventive medicine that are available, specifically health screenings, um, so that we can kind of uh, talk about those things. So I'm laughing at something that's happening off camera. You know, the world is crazy. <laughs> it's like interesting days. Um, so the first thing is um, what is preventive medicine? And, and also, you know what, Precious, this is really interesting. You'll notice like some of the, uh, some of the, 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 the promo for this, this podcast was preventative medicine and then some things are preventive medicine. So yes. I wanted to start there because it's a really interesting story. So they're both the same, preventive and preventative. Um, and it really has to, they, they, you can find them both in the dictionary. Um, and it, <laughs> It really has to do with like, um, I don't want to say colloquialisms, but it probably is uh, somewhere around that. And, and just like how English language evolves and there's that mm-hmm. extra that was put in there. But whether you use the word preventative with that extra t or just preventive, they both mean the same thing, which is um, when we're talking about preventive medicine, which is a treatment to um, stop something specifically like a illness or disease from occurring. And you can do that through what we call health screenings, which are um, tests that are administered and used by clinicians 
to um, determine levels of health or presence of disease before there are any signs or symptoms. So, you know, this is True Health Live and it's about information. So we want to make sure that we have like those really basics down. Um, The other thing about the preventive versus preventative, strictly preventive is the correct term, but I just want to be, you know, fair to those of us who use preventative sometimes. So that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) I was like, why is she saying preventive? <laughs> so thank you for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get it all out. Because I was like, I, you know, and I say that because just in case there are some um, uh, language police out there, don't come for me unless I say it. <laughs> you made that very clear, ma'am. You made that very clear. Like, I was like, oh, let me have a seat. <laughs> I, was, I, I looked it up and I was like oh but some things had already gone out and I was just like ooh because I always say preventative you know and I was like reading and I'm like why are they saying preventive here and I was like but when we speak I we hear preventative so yes. it was interesting I was like well let, let me like look into this so that's what I found so it's some some uh, lexicon information here too No, and I like the fact that we're going to delve into preventive, uh preventive, uh, you know, the idea of what preventive medicine is. Um, And of course, as we go into that, we're also going to touch on some of the important things, lifestyle choices that you can make that also contribute to the the idea of preventative. I'm going to, I'm just going to use them. (laughs) medicine. (laughs) I can't. It's just in my head. Um, So, because really, those screenings, right? Those, it's not just the screenings. Yeah, preventive screenings, but also just preventive living, right? Let's not just think about how we, what we need to get from the physician or from a lab, but preventive living um, really could, can um, thwart um, or even turn back some of the, um, the bad things we do to our body, right? That cause mm-hmm. imbalance and disease. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. going to be a fun month. <laughs> it is. I think so. So we, what we'll do is like, you know, have different episodes that focus on a, a particular um, screening test or exam um, and the diseases and the health issues that are um, either thwarted or found, you know, in some cases based on those screening exams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to share like how this kind of came about, but I, don't, I won't go in too deep into it because we'll, um, we'll have a whole show about this. Um, so it's interesting because as you age, there are certain tests that you have. So when you're younger, the tests are really simple, you know, like, oh, you have to get your blood drawn, your height and weight, you know, real simple things. But as you get older, there's colonoscopies that come about, mammograms and things like that. So I'm moving up in age and um, at that point where a mammogram is necessary. So we will be talking about mammograms. So what I'll do is um, I'll try my best to document that, that uh, experience. It's an experience (laughs) since I'm older and wiser and (laughs) it's an experience. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so scared. (laughs) I remember asking like, is it going to hurt? This is the... The uh, assistant that was just like, oh, I don't know, I've never had one. I'm like, dang. Like, you're helpful. You're helpful. Generation zero. <laughs> yeah. 
it's uncomfortable, so, but it won't it won't hurt. It'll you'll be alright. All right. So we'll talk about those things. Um, yeah. I'm not at the age where I have to do the other end, but we'll talk about some of those things and we'll use this as um so since this, this you know we're introducing what the series is going to be and talking about what preventive medicine or preventative medicine is and like the need for health screenings and like you know the the benefit of health screenings so you know we definitely open up this space to share you know to have people come in if you have um a story that you'd like to share Definitely want to, you know, kind of open up the True Health Live space and invite you in as like a True Health Live, you know, family member and have you share your story. Or if you don't want to share live, definitely open to having people send in. Um, you can email truehealthlive at gmail.com and we can read your story um, and, you know, kind of discuss uh, some of those things. And um, yeah, I think it's really good. And also when we share experiences and what's happening, that's like some of the best evidence-based things that you can do and yeah they're going to be different um but it's really good to you know kind of hear what someone else has gone through and this is kind of the premise behind the masters of health show on um the other channel when people can hear like you know your path and what you went through because we do a lot of compare and contrast right but it's helpful because it's like okay well this person went through this Maybe um maybe it may be easier for me, or maybe I can gauge like based on what I'm going through now, what may happen. Um, the other thing is though, you don't want to get stuck in like trying to predict. Sometimes it's better like just go. Don't try to predict anything. Um, especially if you don't know, just go so that you can find out the answers. So that's what's gonna happen with this mammogram. We're just gonna go. <laughs> but you know what? In in sharing those lived experiences though yeah no we're not predicting that you know this will be your experience um you know but it's also sometimes affirming right that like no this did happen you know this did this was what the experience was for me was it similar for you um um, and sometimes that's how we kind of identify pain points or opportunities for improvement. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. what? we're all having a very similar experience here. None of us, none of us talking about it until Deidre goes and, you know, <laughs> chronicles her experience <laughs> and shares with the world who's watching our podcast right now and <laughs> the world. So as we share, then, um, you know, some of us will be able to say, yeah, that, that, that was my experience as well. Um, whether good or, or bad, I I can't wait to share because I actually have a very funny, very vulnerable experience getting a mammogram. I was like, is this what you say to me now? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah. that now? <laughs> see how that works. I remember, and, and so far, I think everything's fine. Um, oh my God, I think I just spelled myself up on camera. <laughs> I, so far, <laughs> so far. I think everything's good because we know when we visit the doctor's office, you know, different things happen. And, you know, you do get a physical examination. And so far from the physical examination, and again, as I talk about this, ladies, you should be also doing regular physical examinations on yourself. That is a form of screening. Like, you know, there are some screenings that you, self-screenings that you can do at home. So we all know, you know, you can, you know, in the shower, sometimes they say in the shower, it's good because the soap allows like more. Yeah, right. Right. So you know, um, and then also like laying down, and also it's not just the breast air, like the actual breast. You should be feeling 
all the way to up under um, the arm. So these are some of the things. Say that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, because there are lymph nodes under lymph. the arm. Um, but also, it's really important, especially, um, I don't want to say women of color, but I know women, at least in my family, um, sometimes they tend to be have what's called cystic breasts where they're, they just happen to amass cysts. Um, and it can be attributed to maybe lifestyle, um, diet, et cetera. But you need to know your body as if like the way you know the route from your house to everywhere that you need to go. You know, you don't mm-hmm. need navigation. You need to know your body so that when, yeah. when you get a test and they say, hmm, there's, you know, there's a little mass here, there's a lump here you'll know, oh no, that, that's been there. That's normal. Like it's always the size of, you know, a little piece of sand and it's right here because you're doing those self exams or, or yeah. screenings. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's really, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The other type of screenings, um, that we'll be going over, you know, there's screenings, uh, other screenings for can other types of cancer, like colon cancer, or rectal cancer, and some of those are colonoscopies. And so, that's where, um, you know, you have an endoscope. Endo meaning it goes internal inside of the body. Scope means it is um, something that the doctor or clinician is able to, or the tech is able to see inside of your body. So it's an endoscope um, that is inserted in through the anus and then rectum and then goes to, you know, and is exploratory all through the colon. I've never had one, so I cannot explain what the experience is like. I can only verbalize what is supposed to happen. But this is, you know, screening for different other types of cancers. And, you know, when you reach a certain age, it is recommended that you do that. So we will be talking about that. So if you're someone who has had to experience a colonoscopy and, you know, you know if you want to share, you know, please, you know, drop by and let us know. And we'll be talking about the importance of uh, colonoscopies and those type of screenings. Um, I do know um, one of my parents did have to, I think both of them, um, but I remember one experience and, um, because uh, they do put you into a kind of like a twilight. It's not a full sleep anesthesia, but it is like a twilight. So, you know, it's recommended that you don't drive there alone, you know, that you have someone who's able to kind of, who's able to come get you and pick you up so that they can take you home afterwards. So, um, you know, some screenings are less invasive or more invasive than others, but as we age, you know, these are things that we need to do. And that's the reality of life and being in these, this physical body. Yeah. I think as far as women, right, we always think of the mammogram um, and even pap smear, right, as a, as a preventive screening. Um, pap smears in particular are, are, are really important just for screening for cervical cancer. Um, but also, you know, we spoke a lot about fibroids, um, and I, I would be remiss in not mentioning just how important it is to periodically, particularly if you're told that you have like really, really itty bitty, you know, small, just one or two fibroids, which you may hear that in your, in your twenties or early thirties that you begin to make a note uh, and request because it may not be offered at least an abdominal sonogram. Um, there you you can have there's abdominal sonograms that can help to measure and map out where your fibroid tumors are, um, as well as transvaginal sonograms, which 
it, it says what it is, right? Transvaginal. So a small scope is inserted and they, they can also measure, measure and better gauge because you want to know those things. I'm going to stick with this whole roadmap um, idea um, because once you know, then you, you walk in with a little less fear because if you know last year, okay, there were this amount and they were at this size and I made these lifestyle changes or I, I, you know, or I didn't, you know, and where are they now? That helps you get a sense of what's happening in your body. Yeah. 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 And and it's good to know, like, this is what you don't want to, because, you know, the other thing is, and we spoke about this on a previous show with Dr. Kadisha about how um, many times melanated people don't like to go to the doctor and you'd be surprised. And a lot of them are, in the, the clinical world or in the health world. And it's, it's like a, it's, it's a thing where it's like, I don't want to go to the doctor. And a lot of the times, and I've experienced this, you know, with uh, personally with family members, because they're afraid of what they might hear. Um, and, and the fear is real, you know, it is real, but once you get it done, it's better to know because then it's like, okay, what are the next steps that I can take after this? Now that I know, because when you don't know, This is how people who are melanated also have higher um, mortality and morbidity rates from diseases because they waited. And so by the time they go find out, they're in like final stages or stages where nothing can be done or things are irreversible. So, you know, the screenings are really, really important to do so that you can at least know. It's similar to now. It's like, go get a test. You know, people, people are getting COVID tests. But if you don't know, I mean, you'll know if you have it. But... Sometimes it's good to, you know, just find out, you know, find out if you've ever had it because maybe you have been asymptomatic. We do know that that exists, but it's good to know, you know, so that you can make, like you said, precious, like the changes, you know, what changes do you have to make or haven't you made in order to address that? I just want to like take a beat and just welcome the chat. Greetings, top tier speakers and little last, it's okay, Shia. Thank you for joining us because you did confirm I did have a little feel-up session. (laughs) (laughs) So we are talking about something like, uh, you know, really, really important when it comes to health and um, the status of our health and like understanding and knowing the health. Um, Because she says um, she's one of them, which is, uh, I think she's talking about one of the people who doesn't go to to find out what's wrong, uh, which is why I strive to be healthy and go when I must required yearly or year and a half check-in. Yeah, so, you know, I, I do try to do those. And here's the thing. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, then all you really need is your year or half a year check-in. And, you know, and they just get shorter and shorter. If you're doing what you need to do in between, everything should be good, you know? There shouldn't be any any issues. You know, yeah, we may have outliers because there's just the reality is there's so many things in the food, in the air, you know, there may be things that you could have been exposed to that might create something. But for the most part, if you're doing what you need to do, you should be pretty good. You know, that's not necessarily the case, you know, for everybody because our bodies are different and we all react differently to different things. Yeah, there's going to be similarities and some generalizations we can make, but this is the, this is the key to making sure that you're living right, eating right, you're healthy, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your exercise. And then you're also screening because that's what they are. It's before there are any signs or symptoms. So, yeah. and then, you know, the, just the idea of even with, with the annual physical, if you will, 
Um, Mm -hmm. Understand what your physician is checking for when they do blood draw, because every blood draw is not created equal. Um, I, 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 I remember being, uh, recommended to this really, really awesome, um, he kind of mixed allopathic and some of the more naturopath approach to medicine. And he took so many vials of blood and walked me through. No, but it was amazing because he actually okay. walked me through. I know I was like, I'm oh, always like, that's supposed to be right here. But his, you know, the, the phlebotomist or the nurse who was, who did the blood draw, she explained everything they test for that the traditional, like a traditional physician would not, would otherwise not test for um, things like heavy metals and very, very, it was actually really, really informative. And it helped me appreciate um, how my diet was impacting some of those results, some of the results that labs that were really good. He, he attributed to the like lifestyle choices and some of the other areas where it was like, oh, well, your protein. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm vegan. So there was, there was that, right? Um, so know what your physician is, is testing for, even in blood work, um, because yeah. you may say, well, I went every year and they said everything was fine, but all they're actually checking for is like your cholesterol level and, you know, just the basics. So you yeah. want, we always speak about and advocate for um, being a self-advocate and knowing, knowing and mm-hmm. asking those questions. So be informed. Um, and if you know things that are not common are common in your family, um, make sure you mention that and that you ask to be tested for that. Um, another thing that comes to mind really quickly is uh, if you're of the generation that got uh, fillings that were filled of mercury, you may want to make sure you have a heavy metals test done. Um, And if at all possible, um, begin to work with your dentist to have those removed and to have amalgam. I think they're called amalgam films, the white ones. The white ones. Yeah, to replace them. Because that'll have a huge impact on memory. Um, I can't even go into all of the things. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. My parents have the, the, so the silver, if you have silver colored, you know, like in your, in your fillings, you will want to go and, and check that out because there's so many people that I, um, you know, have like come across where they're taught, where they have to go to the dentist because the, the tooth cracked and the filling like leaked in and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what does that mean? You know? So yeah, those are things that you want to go and check out because it gets into the system and then you have to think, well, what is that doing? Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. I'm like, yeah. Um, And just to connect it, uh, I did that many, many years ago. And I actually, my, my OBGYN um, soon after kind of applauded me for doing that because she actually, and and I have not fact checked this, so please do. But she actually said that um, removing those uh, mercury fillings um, actually or keeping them in could have an impact on fertility, which I didn't realize. So as you know, I've already shared that I kind of gestated with, with fibroids. Um, but there could be, there is a relationship or connection between the two. So it's just another thing to, to put on your list and to look into for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're you're right. Like on the um about the have they have a higher uh, women who have the mercury. They have a high because what happens is that the metal is tested in the urine, and so they have a higher level of um, incidences of infertility. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So see, it's all, so you got to map it out, map yourself, just draw a little picture of yourself, a piece of paper, and just start checking in with, you know, checking in, especially as women, we tend to, you know, prioritize everything and everyone else. So let, let's, let's make this important, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like other kinds of screenings. So like screenings for diabetes, that would be done like through the blood. So when you're talking about blood tests, um, when your doctor or physician or clinician orders a, what they call an HbA1c, um, that and, and they'll say fasting, fasting HbA1c, that is the test that tests for um, uh, type 2 diabetes because type one is usually um you have it when you're young i think you're born with it um and we know that type two is the one that melanated people suffer from the most um and so what you'll do is you'll fast i think the fast has to be between 10 and 12 hours before the blood is drawn and um you can find out if you will be pre-diabetic or diabetic and and you know there's a range and here's the other thing when they talk about blood work um, it's not just about like, okay, get the blood work and the doctor says, blah, 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 you're good. You know, and if you're good with that, you know, that's fine. But it's really good to know the ranges, the way that they determine if something is good because there is an average range. Um, I can't remember the ranges off the top of my head, but there's an average range that your your platelet count should be, you know, you know, so all the things that they test and blood taste there, there's a range that they go from. And if you're below you know that it means one thing. And if you're above that, it means something else. Sometimes if you're above it, it means like, well, you may not be there, but you're creeping. So this is what we need you to do to get back into the, the normal range. And what you want to do is make sure that things are within the normal range. And yes, melanated people are different. You know, we're different. Yet these, 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 um, and, and there, there does need to be, you know, maybe some some revamping of what standards and norms are so that they include the differences of different uh, ethnicities and different bodies. Um, at the same time, these standards mean something. So if you're in this space where you're above, then take it as, especially when it comes to diabetes, because this is the one that's killer. You know, as uh, our guest, um, our, 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 our regular Sister Kashia mentioned on a, a different show, um, until like toes and, and legs start missing. You, we don't, we, we, we like our toes and legs and arms and fingers. We like them. We don't want them to go missing. So if you're above that range, take heed, be mindful. It shouldn't be like, well, this test isn't meant for, you know, no, it means something and it's useful. You know, at least this is what we have now and it's useful. So Take heed of that. We don't want like toes, legs, arms, and fingers to go missing. We've I've seen too many of that where it's unnecessary. So you know, make sure you, when you get when you're getting your blood work, be aware of like what your ranges are. If you're below, if you're too high, um, and actually get the blood work. Don't be you know it it is nerve wracking. So I don't want to say don't be afraid. Be afraid, but but push through it. You can be afraid, but push through it and get it done because again. Once you know, then you can actually take the steps to reverse or, you know, or correct 
or uh, adjust what needs to be adjusted. Yeah. I'm gonna say about you know, I know we're talking about all of the physical health screens, right? But I, I wouldn't be me if I don't bring up um, just the mental health. And the- of course, I wanted you to talk about those screenings. Yeah, yeah I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm not going to, I mean, we'll get into all of the different tests and assessments and screenings and, you know, and, and, and self assessments, because there are a myriad of, of links and websites for mental health screenings. But what I will say is, particularly for parents, um, there's something called first break episodes. So a first break episode is just that, the first instance of something happening with our youngster, our youth, right? Our children. Um, So being able to understand what that age range is, right? So Oftentimes, you'll find that in most children who are going to experience some sort of challenge with mental health, um, if it doesn't happen by the age of 18 to 21, it isn't going to happen, right? Maybe something will happen as an older adult, which is really more situational, a situational response. Um, But often, the first break happens during that 16 to 20 year age range. Um, And that's because if you think about it, what's happening then? You're entering into adulthood, you're preparing to go to college, or you're on campus and having to manage life, right? You think you're managing life home, or you're wishing you could run your own life. Um, But once that truly has to happen, there's so much pressure um, that there on there's onset of depression or um, or even psychosis, um, more 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 chronic psychosis. Um, so it's really important. But but then of course there are um, some children that experience first break episodes at six and seven. So there's usually that four, five, six, seven age range or that sixteen through twenty one age range. It's really really essential that. Elders, not just parents, but even educators and, you know, and healthcare practitioners, they're trained um, to recognize those signs um, and to not ignore them. You know, it's not, I mean, I know, you know, our children act up and they respond in certain ways and go, oh, that's just Johnny being Johnny. But sometimes early intervention, right, is that preventive medicine that's needed. Um, so you have to be able to recognize those warning signs. So we'll we'll get into some of what that looks like down yeah. the month as well. Yeah. And, and you know what? Some of these, they're so extensive they, that this is why they need their own show. Um, and that's why this show is not like we are not going to be talking about all the screenings in one show. Like they actually need their own show um, just because there's so much involved. So we'll get into like what they look like, what's supposed to happen all of that. So right now we're just introducing the concept and like getting you guys ready. And so maybe in between now and the next show, we'll have inspired you to go get a screening, even if it's just like to get like a blood workup, you know, to find out if everything's okay metabolically, you know, for right now, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's great. So willingly, even in between now and the next show, I'll have <laughs> documented like, you're not right i'm not gonna i don't i don't think i'll show like the actual like what's happening in the room but i'll i'll give you guys a play-by-play or maybe a 
I don't know, maybe a recording. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Cause it's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, screenings, they're important. Um, really quickly, cause she just says she asks a lot of questions when she goes, what's that for? Let me see these labels. Do I ask for specific blood work? So I don't, so I do know, I think, um, since she's here to do the workup and it's just like, you, you should know. And like, you yeah. know, in, in that moment, it's like, be the annoying patient because you should know it shouldn't just be like one person, like lording over to, to tell you like, what's what you should know, which is why in between these um, physicals, these, these annuals or, or um, half year physicals and, and, and check-ins and checkups, you should be doing the right thing because you're knowing you're paying attention. You're, be, you're alert as to what's happening with you, what you're taking in and how it's affecting you externally. So um, you should be that, be that patient, ask those questions. I don't know if I always ask enough questions when I get the check-in, you know, because it, it, you might be so uh, relieved to have good news. You're like, okay, mm -hmm, yep, okay, okay, bye. See you next time. And I wish I didn't have to see you, you know, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. It's good to ask those questions. I think doing the, like you said, do the right thing. Doing the right thing is asking the questions. Doing the right thing is taking notes or recording the dialogue because sometimes there's so much information being thrown at you, particularly when there isn't necessarily fantastic news being given that you're still hearing the echo of the not so great news that you're not hearing a lot of what's coming thereafter. So if you don't have someone with you, right, because maybe you aren't expecting to hear anything unpleasant, ask if you can record what's being said, ask if, you know, or not, depending on what state you live in, you don't always have to ask. Some states are one-way consent states. Um, so that's something you should know as well. Hint, hint. Um, I'll just say, I know for sure New York is a one-way consent state. You can record um, without the other person consenting. Um, but these are important things for you to do because maybe you need to play back when you get home. What did he say? And what was that test again? And how can I research that? But to answer the other part of what I thought <laughs> Sister Kashia might have been asking, um, don't wait until you're in the room with the with the with the phlebotomist to ask what tests are being taken. Um, ask that when you're sitting with you know with the physician. Um, usually, you sit with the physician prior to blood work. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's after, um, but try to make sure you have that conversation. Even if you say, you know what, I prefer to do my blood draw after. I just want to talk a few things over with the doctor. Um, mm -hmm. Or I think, or, or it could be as simple as um, I had a few questions for the physician mm -hmm. first um, that may shift the blood draw, the blood work that needs to be done. So it might be better to do it at the end. And mm -hmm. then that's when you reel off. I really think that while I may not fit, you know, the time frame for this and this and this test or they're not common, but I would really like to have them anyway, just to just to get a baseline. Nine out of 10 times, as long as your um, insurance covers them, they'll they'll give it to you. You yeah. just have to ask. Um, and the only other thing that I thought about uh, connected to the physician is do your research when you're picking your physician. That is key number one. Um, you know, oftentimes we're resistant to going for testing 
because like you said, we don't want to hear the bad news, especially our elders. But a lot of it is also that that trauma response, right? We mm-hmm. we know how we're going to get handled. Um, but you can manage that. You can prevent that by being really vigilant um, and diligent about vetting your practitioners mm-hmm. um, and really finding practitioners that align with your philosophical perspective on life um because they're they're out there they're they're doctors that you know understand what's happening and what what the you know an informed patient wants and isn't just kind of trying to get you in and out in three minutes flat so you know we've got to just do the legwork right yeah I, I had like an experience where the doctors is like years ago in college and it was just like I'm like something's wrong let me go check this out and so she's like, okay, I'm going to send you for a scan. But it was what she said before that. And I honestly don't remember it now, but I know it was like um, an ultrasound scan because I just thought, I was like, something is wrong. And this is like, this is my reproductive health we're talking about. And I'm like, I'm very young and something is wrong. And so let's, let's, let's talk to the MD about this. And so um, she, I forgot what she said. I really did. But in the moment I do, what I remember is the emotion. That's what's stays here but what was said is is totally not in my brain right now but I heard her say scan and everything she said after that was Charlie Brown's mom <laughs> because by the time I got to the scan I, I didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to eat when you have scans like they prefer empty stomach because they want to make sure that they're picking up only what they're looking for I wasn't supposed to eat, I wasn't supposed to drink, and then I was probably supposed to have contrast. So then by the time I got to the scan, I think they had to do a different kind of scan (laughs) because I had not heeded anything that she told me because I was not cognizant of what she was saying because I was, you know, when, and it wasn't even bad news, it was just something I didn't want to hear or I was just afraid. Um, And I was nervous and I didn't do anything. Turns out everything was fine. And, you know, everything was totally fine. But in my head, I was like, I'm dying. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that. But it was like, in my head, it was like, I'm dying. I don't know. And everything was fine. It was totally fine. It was fine. (laughs) And it was just like that the whole time in between the that appointment, like speaking with the clinician and then actually going to the scan, I was a wreck a wreck didn't know anything and um it's not a good space to be in so you do want to like make sure you do your research like before and after and and yeah and I was very young I was like living on my own I was in grad school so just like not today right what's happening I I literally had like a meltdown um and this is in Boston so in Boston the, the the mass transit system is called the T and we were on the green line and we're outside of the main campus. So this is a Commonwealth Avenue, very well-known area. This is where the, the main strip and where Boston University, like their main buildings sit. And I literally had a meltdown. I was like, I have cancer. And then like my friends are like looking at me like this chick is crazy. <laughs> oh no. But it's scary. My whole meltdown <laughs> on the green line in the middle of the street. I'm not going to laugh. I might be tearing, but a laugh isn't going to come, okay? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. because I was. I no, was... but you know what? It, it is scary. And as you scary. shared that story, 
it made me think of yet another tool that we have. And that is to ask for it in writing. When your physician is giving you instructions, particularly as it pertains to a screening or test and how you prep, it is very easy for them to have their assistant jot it down for you. No water after, you know, midnight, no this, no that you have to come like this, come like that. They Mm -hmm. know, and they know we are going to forget, particularly if our brain is kind of preoccupied with, I need to have a test. Oh dear goodness. I'm Mm going to die tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, So yet another thing you can do, just can you, can you put that, can you write that down? What, Mm -hmm. what do I have to do? Um, And this applies to our, our elders as well. Um, I'll, I'll share a really quick story. Um, my grandmother at the time, she was like 94. And, you know, by then it's like all hands on deck, all the family is together. Um, and they're primarily in, in another state. Um, but I'm the healthcare girl, right? I'm the healthcare granddaughter. So, um, as she was going for different treatment, uh, modalities, it was like precious has to be If she can't be in the room, she's got to be on the phone. And that's what they did. They advocated for meetings, virtual meetings. This was many years ago, virtual meetings where we could all hear, we could all ask questions, we could all take notes. Um, And that that was very affirming for my grandmother, but it also gave the, the physicians and the team, right, the social worker and the healthcare team, an understanding of what my grand, like what we were going to deal with, I'm just going to say it, and what we were not going to deal with, because it wasn't just her and one person or her and, uh, you know, and a home of care assistant, and you can just move her through the system. Sometimes we have to take that time and be a show of force. Sometimes that's what it takes. And so don't be afraid to say, you know what, I can't be there but I'm going to be on the phone to hear what's going on. Um, the system is set up to support that. And so we have to be encouraged to, to use those tools and to advocate for ourselves. So mm-hmm. just another mm-hmm. little something to think about. Yeah. And I wish I had had all my wits about me. <laughs> no, just... you were young. Listen, we needed that for us to get to this right now and tell people right now, don't do that. Don't, don't be do that. Line. It was like tears all day. <laughs> Sitting on, I, and I think I wrote about several train lines that day, crying like on the phone. Like, she said this, and, and, and she's like, I, my mom. She's like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, please, right, please, like, please stop. Yeah. I was, I, 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 it just, it just continued throughout the entire day until I was able to get it out of my system. But it was just like nervous wreck until that day, and then I found out. Like when they told me that, yeah, you were supposed to do such and such. I was just like. And I wanted to say that the doctor didn't tell me. And I was like, she probably did. (laughs) (laughs) You were busy crying. You were busy weeping. I started in the room. I started in the exam room. The tears were just, and I I remember, like I said, I don't remember what she was saying because I remember this person sitting in front of me and I was just like looking. And I was just watching her lips and the tears just started welling up. Sound goes away. Everything goes away. So like it's not the it's not a great feeling, and like I said, that it's like ingrained in my memory, like what that felt like. Um, so you know, you may have an episode like that, so you want to make sure, like beforehand, can I record or 
can you give this to me in writing? You know, da 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 da. Because you're gonna need time to process and kind of come out, especially if it's not good news. Right, right. Um, and just one other thing that popped in my mind when you reference lab work and the range, right, and being within normal range or out of range, whether plus or minus out of range. Um, yes, it's important to recognize that some of us are just abnormal and abnormal isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just means that you don't fit into bell curve theory, bell curve theory, right? And that's okay. I am abnormally short. So (laughs) that is, (laughs) I don't fit in bell curve, right? But (laughs) that said, I need to know what that means, right? Um, and, And that's what's important, that you know what that means. So just because your labs come back as, you know, abnormally high or abnormally low, um, recognize what that means for you, how that impacts you, your body specifically, and what the preventative measures are that your preventive measures are that you need to put in place to, um, to remain balanced because you may just hover at that, you know, one or two over what, mm-hmm. what is considered normal, but that may just be where you hover. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. With no symptoms other than, okay, this is my baseline. It's really, really important that you know your baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So I just want to reiterate. Um, is there any, yeah. We talked about blood, blood work. Da, da, da. So, and there are more. So, you know, the shows that are coming, we're going to do a show on mammograms. We'll do a show on colonoscopies. We're going to do a show on like the different mental health screenings and so on and so forth. So it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited about it. Um, and like I said, you are welcome to share your stories and, you know, we'll work you into the show and we can, you know, have you on and you can tell your story or you can write us, um, e- email, you know, I'm not looking for like postal. <laughs> I mean, that's fine too. That's <laughs> fine. But I'm not giving my, my, uh, address. So it'll have to be email. <laughs> um, so you can, um. Send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com or you can uh, go on to djasully.com and write a comment. Um, We're definitely happy to have you share your story um, with us. You know, that would be great. It'd be awesome and an honor to have people share like their real life lived experiences because what you say will definitely help someone else. It's all about information and things being based in evidence. And yeah, you may hover, as Precious said, you know, at some place else, but it's good because somebody listening may be that at that same point. So, um, and we're learning even the stories that we shared today um, are helpful. Um, so you can kind of get a sense, but like, you're not alone. We all have like those, those moments, you know? So preventive screenings, preventive medicine screenings, they're really, really useful. They're a useful tool engaging where we sit, you know, with our health and and the condition of our bodies. So that's what we wanted to definitely share today. Make sure you tune in uh, next week where we talk about um, some of these health screenings. We'll be talking about, um, we'll do the cancer first. We'll do the colon cancer because I I don't know if I'll get to the mammogram. I'm really busy. (laughs) Maybe I'm just putting it off. No, you guys are going to keep me accountable. We're going to (laughs) go. So we're going to start with the colon and then we'll do the mammogram and, and that'll that'll be an experience. So um, join us next time right here on uh, uh, YouTube um, and also whatever podcast uh, platform you are listening to. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. 
um, you name it, we're there. So make sure that you um, tune in next time, same place, 11 a.m. on Sundays. And we will be talking about some of those screenings. If you want to talk about a different topic, we're kind of moving because we're getting close to the end of the year. And so we're thinking about what season two looks like. So as always, if there's something you want to talk about or something that you want to, you know, give for the show, you can email us there. So in the meantime, we will see everyone in the forward. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is our casting call for our preventive slash preventative medicine <laughs> screening shows coming up. So give thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidraSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com. See you next time.